0: i'm clarence ballman with ballman ranch in cost texas you're listening to the latest news in texas agriculture on texas ag today welcome to texas ag today a daily look at the latest news in texas agriculture Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas
1: Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton crop ratings look good belt wide. The exception is our crop here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the piney woods of east texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the panhandle down to the rio grande valley
2: probably some of the toughest haggling you could ever witness is the haggling over prices that takes place between feed yards and packers well that haggling has gotten very tough lately I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
3: The reliability of electricity in the hot Texas summer. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll visit with the vice chairman of the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, more commonly known as ERCOT, just ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories,
1: plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets, all coming up. The latest USDA crop ratings show a U.S. cotton crop that's in pretty good shape. But our crop here in Texas is struggling, according to USDA's Brad Rippey. 45% of the crop currently rated good to excellent. That's a three percentage point drop from the previous week. 28% very poor to poor. That is a three percentage point increase from the previous week. Even with that drop in condition, we're still looking a little better than last year at this time. When the cotton was rated 38% good to excellent, 27% very poor to poor, 14 of the 15 cotton producing states are looking pretty good in terms of condition, but Texas, the outlier, currently Texas cotton, 45% very poor to poor, and just 26% good to excellent. That's a seven-point drop in Texas' good to excellent cotton ratings and a five-point increase in the poor-to-very-poor categories. The Texas dairy industry continues to grow.
4: The Texas dairy industry produced more than 16.5 billion pounds of milk valued at more than $4 billion last year. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, production was up 6% over 2021. The value of milk in Texas rose $1.4 billion from 2021 to 2022. An average of 650,000 dairy cows in the state produced that milk, averaging a production of 25,500 pounds of milk each over the course of the year. Texas dairymen's returns averaged $25.60 per hundredweight last year. That was 21 cents higher than the national average. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: The sheep and lamb market has moved higher recently. Texas a and Livestock Economist David Anderson says we finally moved the heavy lamb market ahead of last year. If we look at some heavier weight, bigger lambs, ready to go to market Uh, and we've got some rising prices and they've tended to be rising all year and we finally gotten you know really ahead of a year ago. Anderson says last year's market was very volatile hitting record highs and hitting lows we haven't seen in years. Last year we had a big collapse in prices. We went from a peak of about $2.50 a pound all the way, you know, dropped to about $1.10 just in the span of just a handful of weeks. And and this year we've been building back. Uh, prices slowly rising and and we finally got ahead of a year ago. And, and I, you know, some rising prices, certainly good news for ranchers out there. Texas A&M Livestock Economist, David Anderson. The cash-fed cattle market here in Texas all but dried up last week, with only about 500 heads sold on negotiated cash trade. James Hunt takes a look at what's happening with the cash market here in Texas.
2: With cattle supplies at very low levels in our country right now, cattle prices are running pretty high. Here in the Texas High Plains, there have been times in recent weeks where cattle feeders have been able to get around $1.85 a pound for their fed cattle in the cash market. But the folks on the other side of the negotiating table appear to be trying to push back. Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, Last week there was a very low volume of sales through cash trade as many feed yards held the line and rejected offers that were coming in as low as $1.75.
3: The packer is trying to force the price down, of course. The supplies are going to get tight. They have been tight. They will continue to get tight. Demand has been good from the consumer. And so it puts the packer, if I could ever say the packer in a little bit of less leverage, I was fixing to say bind, but I will never say a packer gets in a bind. But the feeder and the producer today has the leverage if we can figure out how to use it and the industry stay together. Together on forcing these prices higher and so with that being said a uh, majority of the guys last week decided they would pass the 175 that was being bid hoping that we'll see higher prices this
2: week and those higher prices may be coming as Miller says in the early part of this week area feed yards began getting cash trade offers of around $1.82 a pound obviously this is a developing situation that we'll continue watching Now, feed yards are, of course, not only sellers of cattle, they're also buyers. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the escalating cost of feeder cattle, which is the number one input cost for feed yards. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The Texas electric grid has been holding up through this brutal summer heat. Tom Nicoletti visits with an ERCOT official about the reliability of the grid.
3: My guest today is former Congressman Bill Flores, who currently serves as the vice chairman for the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, known uh, more commonly as ERCOT. And Bill, you uh, visited with a number of Texas farmers and ranchers recently about the reliability of electricity here in Texas. And of course, right now we're in the middle of a very hot summer. The question everybody has on their minds is how reliable is the electric grid with the temperatures rising uh, day to day?
5: Right now the grid looks like we're going to have plenty of supply to meet the uh, record demand for the ERCOT part of Texas. The big challenge if wind and solar don't show up for work, then it becomes more challenging to manage the grid. We have more conservative management of ERCOT today, the way they manage the grid and the way they have resources available to fill the gaps whenever you have high demand and lower supply situations. But what this tells us, though, is we as Texans should want our state policymakers to encourage the development of more dispatchable power. Dispatchable power is something that has an on-off switch. You can think about a natural gas. A power plant, a coal plant, or a nuclear power plant. We need more dispatchable power so that if the wind and solar, the renewable resources don't show up, then you've got something to offset that. We are lucky here in Texas. We've got big battery facilities that are coming online. We'll be probably the largest producer of battery Uh, resource power by the end of the year and that's helpful but it's only good for a couple of hours that helps because it's dispatchable Uh, but that's what it's going to take to get us where we need to go if you want to always
3: be able to count on the lights coming on now, ERCOT serves approximately 26 million customers in Texas. That's about 90% of the state's electric load day in and day out. So certainly the challenges are are great in trying to serve the residents in, in urban, suburban, and rural Texas. That's correct. We have a fast-growing state. Right now, we're
5: in a kind of a hot environmental situation, likely due to climate change. As somebody who grew up in agriculture my whole life, I'm used to droughts. I'm used to hot spells, used to cold spells that are all abnormal. We're blessed in Texas because we've got good land mass and we've got smart people, got the capital to do things right. We just need to be sure and do that so that we can build the dispatchable resources to meet our demand.
3: Now you say that uh, Texas has the third largest uh, grid in the United States acting like a big air traffic controller in, in, in getting that electricity out to the residents uh, and the businesses. There are a lot of misconceptions
5: about what ERCOT is and what it isn't. It doesn't own any generation assets, transmission assets, or local distribution assets. They try to figure out where is the demand, where do we need the electrons, and where can we get those electrons, and how do we dispatch them in the most economical manner possible to go from where they're generated to where they're consumed.
3: So summer demand is expected to peak. that hasn't already. So what about electric rates? People are going to see their bills just skyrocket.
5: I think most consumers are not going to see much of a change in their electric pricing this summer, unless they're on a variable plan of some sort.
3: Those comments from Bill Flores, the vice chairman of the Electric Reliability Council of Texas i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network
4: an avid hunter and conservationist has been named the new executive director of the rolling plains coil research foundation he joins us today to discuss his goals i'm jessica domal and i'll have that story coming up on texas ag today
1: and we haven't seen a case of equine pyroplasmosis here in texas in over 14 years Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen?
2: I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go.
4: News. On the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper.
6: I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm
1: listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events.
3: I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for.
1: Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture
1: on Texas Ag Today. Equine pyroplasmosis is a blood-borne disease caused by parasites. Dr. Bob Judd says it last occurred here in Texas over 14 years ago.
6: Some cases have been identified in the United States since then in specific high-risk groups of horses. Dr. Angela Pelzel-McCluskey indicates in the horse publication that EP is supposed to be a foreign animal disease, but since 2008 it has been found mostly in quarter horse racehorses. Lots of the cases have occurred due to spreading the organism by reusing needles and syringes on multiple horses, and this behavior by owners and trainers can also cause transmission of other diseases like equine infectious anemia. Many of the quarter horses are involved in unsanctioned or so-called bush track racing, as no testing is required at these events. Testing is required at sanctioned races, but not at these bush tracks, and this keeps the disease going. Another high-risk group of horses is those that move across the Texas border from Mexico. Legal import of horses into the United States requires testing for EP, but many of these horses cross the border illegally, and this increases the number of positive cases and increases the chance of disease in Texas horses. Symptoms include fever, decreased appetite, depression, increased respiratory rate and heart rate, colic, and sudden death. Horses that survive will become chronic carriers. So if you're not sure of the pyroplasmosis status of your horses, testing is a good idea, especially if your horse has any symptoms of illness or maybe it's just not performing as well. If your horse does test positive, the United States Department of Agriculture has a treatment program that has been used to permanently clear the infected organism from hundreds of horses since 2010. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The new director of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation has some specific goals. Jessica Domo takes a look at those goals in today's wildlife report.
4: On our last show, we introduced you to Dr. Ryan O'Shaughnessy, the new executive director of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. Today, he once again sits down with us, this time to discuss his goals as the foundation's new executive director.
7: We're always looking to grow and to extend our reach. One of my specific goals is to really just get word out about the foundation and what we are able to offer the quail hunting landowners and public. We are a research entity with a focus on providing and maintaining quail across the state for hunting for future generations. And so really under that banner I would like to extend our reach and start engaging with landowners at a higher level than we perhaps have in the past
4: The foundation is a nonprofit organization that focuses on understanding and managing bobwhite and scaled quail in Texas The foundation's research ranch in Roby provides a living laboratory to devise land management strategies to benefit quail and help other students of quail Dr. O'Shaughnessy said he will use his passion for quail and quail hunting to best serve the foundation.
7: I don't think you can be a hunter without being a conservationist. It's just the nature of the game. I know it's an old cliche, but if we don't have any animals to hunt, we're not going to be hunters. So de facto hunters need to be conservationists we love being out there. I mean, heck, most of the time now when, when I go quail hunting and I'm doing the, uh, the air commas when I say that, I just enjoy watching the dogs run and point birds. It's very, very seldom that I even carry a shotgun with me these days.
4: For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: Another day of higher grain prices and lower feeder cattle prices. We'll look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen?
8: I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly
0: transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering.
8: I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music,
1: anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. Wednesday was another explosive day in the grain markets, and that put pressure on the cattle complex. We did close mix with live cattle higher, feeder cattle lower. August live cattle up 5 cents, closing at 181.32. The October up 17, 183.72, with December live cattle up 2 cents, 187.02. Feeder cattle finishing lower thanks to the jump in corn prices. August feeders down a dollar twenty, two hundred forty six eighty, September feeder cattle down sixty seven cents at two hundred forty nine thirty two. October contract down fifty two at two hundred fifty fifty five. Cash Fed Cattle Market still quiet for the week. We did see some cattle selling the online Fed Cattle Exchange at one hundred eighty two. That's on some high grading cattle. Packers bidding one hundred seventy five in the South, feedlots asking one hundred eighty three and better. Boxed beef was mixed Wednesday. Choice down 74 cents, 303.94. Select up 55 at 277.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marvel. Seth Crane, my guest. Seth Crane, Union Commission.
8: Hondo Livestock. Sells them on Monday. Seth, how'd it go? Uh had a really good sale again this week, Larry. a little bit lighter, right at three hundred hit. Uh market sure good. Uh Packer Cow and Bull, market steady with what we had last week. Uh sell those lower yielding cows. Oh, anywhere from fifty-seven on up to eighty-eight or so high-yielding cows bring up to a dollar sixteen today. Uh had lots of really good cows bring from that dollar eight, dollar twelve, as long as they were a real good cow. Bulls anywhere from seventy-four all the way up to 126, had one pair at 1500, and just a few bred cows from 850 up to $11.50. 11.5. Kevin yearling deal steady with last week. That market's very good. All these calves are dollar now, lots of money, lots of demand. Uh, pretty much any classic cattle is, is really selling good. You'd sell all those light calves uh, on the steer end, you'd sell all the way up to a four weight, up to three bucks on some of those calves. On the heifers, you could sell them up to 280, mostly 250 or 60 on those light cattle. Uh, getting into those five to six weight calves uh, on the steers. the good five-weight steer today would bring all the way up to 268 on the number one. Good five-weight effort all the way up to 242. Uh, six to seven-weight steers all the way up to 238. Uh, six to seven-weight effort would bring all the way up to 220. Uh, so, like I say, just really good sale. Continue to continue to dollar out very well. Sure, good time to sell them. In the meantime, if we can help you, uh, and I'd like to remind everybody that next special stock or feeder sale is coming up on August the 14th. Uh, Reach us right there at the office, 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolivestock.com. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, too, neighbor, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it all together for you. Do it again tomorrow right
1: here on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Wednesday. August hogs up $1.65, $97.92. October up $0.25 cents at $81.72. Class 3 milk was lower. Nearby July milk down 11 cents, 13 75 a hundred weight, with August milk down 15 at 15 65 a hundred. The cotton market moved higher with a hot, dry forecast across the Cotton Belt supporting prices. October cotton was up 184 points, 85.62. December cotton up 150 points at 83.75. Corn market continues to get support from hot, dry weather in the Corn Belt. September corn up 16 and three quarters, 5.45 and a half. December corn up eighteen and a half at five fifty three a bushel. March corn up eighteen and three quarters, five hundred sixty three and a quarter. The wheat market getting a big boost over the past couple of days from the Russia Ukraine war. Russia attacked the Ukrainian port of Odessa for the second day in a row, and that's put a big fire underneath wheat prices. September Kansas City wheat up thirty-nine and a half, closing at three hundred sixty six and three quarters. September, Chicago wheat up 57 cents, 727 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas unchanged at 262. August, West Texas crude down 49 cents, 75.26 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 119 points, 35,071. The NASDAQ up 14 at 14,367 the S&P up 13 at 4,568. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.